Derek Carr will be the New Orleans Saints quarterback. And we got the host of Locked On Saints here to break everything down here on the Locked On NFL podcast. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, football fans? Welcome to the Locked On NFL podcast, free and available on all platforms. Part of that good old Locked On podcast network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. And boy, did we have a news dump on Monday. We got to talk about all of it. But the biggest one, obviously, because we got Ross Jackson. Howdy. N-O-L-A. That is... For, for the uninitiated, that means New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> and that yes, means... Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's the place. And that's the place where Derek Carr is going to be. Sends a four-year deal, 150 mil? 150 total? million. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be the New Orleans Saints quarterback ostensibly for four years. Probably more realistically, like two or three of those years. But yeah. uh, I love it when we get to talk about Saints or Vikings news here on the Tuesday episode of the Lockdown NFL podcast, because that's the whole like thesis of the Lockdown Network is local experts. And yep. here you are, local expert on the Saints. Mm-hmm. So give me the scoop. What is the temperature on this Derek Carr deal? Are Saints fans excited? Lukewarm about it? Do they think this is the worst thing that happened to the franchise? What's up? Yeah, I think there are a couple of different things that we'll look at here. The first place that we'll start is, of course, with Derek Carr. We'll take a look at kind of where he ranks amongst NFC quarterbacks. And we got some franchise tag stuff to get to as well for the day. But my goodness, of course. Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL. I look at this New Orleans Saints move for the uh, bringing in Derek Carr as the start of what can be a very good offseason. Saints fans are very excited about this. The big question is, Does this make the New Orleans Saints contenders? And I'll say this much in the NFC. I'll say this much. It certainly makes them contenders in the NFC South because they now have the best quarterback in the NFC South. I'm going to put in parentheses here for now because we've got to see what happens with Lamar Jackson, right? How that whole thing goes down. Although I still don't think that Lamar Jackson goes leaves Baltimore, right. but there's a chance Panthers that could like draft there. a rookie that ends up blowing up too. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, those are things that we would have to see down the road. But as of right now, the Saints put themselves in position to have the best quarterback in the NFC South come 2023. And the reason why I say that is because you get Atlanta Falcons, if they don't land um, Lamar Jackson, which again, I think is unlikely, they've got, what, Desmond Ritter uh, in a second year. They could potentially draft a quarterback too, Luke, like they're in the top 10. We can't rule that out, right? Carolina Panthers, they look like they're ready to draft and develop a quarterback, so that's a big question mark in their first year. They could potentially still bring back a Sam Darnold or be willing to start a P.J. Walker or a Matt Corral to buy time for that rookie quarterback to get ready. And then, of course, Kyle Trask in Tampa. That's the way that they want to go. Luke, I heard in Indianapolis they want a veteran. They want a veteran quarterback. I I don't buy it. It's terrible. (laughs) I've heard in Indy that they want a veteran quarterback to back up Kyle Trask. The two veteran quarterbacks that came up, Baker Mayfield, Drew Locke. The Saints have the best quarterback so in the NFC South at the moment. That's where the Bucks. Are. I was. Gonna, where's Andy Dalton at? Because that feels like that's the I point of I think them. there's a good chance that he's back in New Orleans next year to back As up like Derek backup? Carr. Yeah. I think that's That'd absolutely a good backup. Yeah. The role that he was supposed to serve in 2021 before Jameis Winston fractured four vertebrae in his back. Sure. Uh, 
you know, I think that there's a good chance that happens. Jameis Winston, by the way, I think he is on his way out. I've thought that from the beginning of the offseason, but now with this Derek Carr signing, seems more likely. Whether he gets cut immediately or it's pushed June 1, we'll see. But I do think that this puts the New Orleans Saints in a situation to where they can compete within their division, but it's the next steps, the next moves that they make that are really going to put them over the top and maybe make them contenders in the NFC. So this is a good start, but they're not done yet. They can't be. So here's my question. Because, like, from the outside looking in here, the, the New Orleans Saints have one of the most inflated cap situations in the NFL. It's awesome. the most inflated cap situation in the NFL. They always do. It's how yeah. they live. It's awesome. And the, <laughs> the whole awesome. point of this, and, and the thing you always say about the Saints is, yeah, okay, well, they can do all these restructures and they can get under and stuff, but they can never go out and really get the big free agents. They just signed a quarterback for almost 40 mil a year. How in the world did they pull this off? So here's the way that they did this, right? So here's the thing that I want you to think about. And this is why I love. So the New Orleans Saints have a cap guru, right? His name is Kai Harley is his name. He's a future GM. He's, he's going to be, he's gonna be a GM. He's got to be yeah, soon. Yeah. Yeah. And it's his goal. Like that's his dream. That's what he wants to do. Um, it, and if the Saints are smart in the next two or three years, they move Mickey Loomis to like some like president of football operations type title and then make Kai Harley their own GM and keep him in because if they bring in another GM to do what Kai Harley continue what Kai Harley has done they're gonna shoot themselves in the foot like very quickly and yeah. so the way that Kai approaches the salary cap is that instead of looking at it year by year he looks at it as an ongoing structure so he knows that he can debt stuff from uh, before and after and so that there are different things that he's able to do he comes from an accounting background they do this in accounting all the time right? So this right. is a part of what it is, the, the way that he looks at it. So here's how the Saints did it. It's a four-year, $150 million contract, yes, but $100 million of it is guaranteed. That $100 million is paid out within the first three years. So that takes the annual salary average from $37.5 million to just 33 repeating, uh, million dollars. So that's kind of the, the, the range where they see Derek Carr. So what they did was that they gave him a $28.5 million signing bonus, which is split out over the course of those five years, plus another void year, which is the max that they could do that five years total. So that's a part of the salary cap hit in 2023, which is around $5.7 million. Then they gave him a base salary in 2023 with just $1.5 million is his base salary. So his total right. cap hit, despite the fact that he is guaranteed at signing $60 million, Luke, his cap hit in 2023 is $7.2 million. That's how they right. got him in, and that's how they'll be able to continue to add and build around him as well. So they can actually put to, and and there's a lot of work left to do, but they can actually mm -hmm. put together a team here. So to the the original question, which is, can the Saints be contenders? They can be contenders. Mm -hmm. Will they be? I don't know because yeah. I don't, don't know who plays for the enough about who plays for the Saints in 2023 to be able to answer that question now. But the path is there. It's funny the way the Saints do this. It's like if you ever hear about. Or even like on, on TV, when they're like cooking the books, I'm pretty sure the Breaking Bad accounting <laughs> plot. Yeah. Where they were like yeah. cooking the books and they were yep. like borrowing from other years and like moving things around, which is like very illegal in the world of finance. And in the NFL, you could just do it. Yep. No problem. <laughs> like they just they're just cooking the books. That's just what they're doing. Yep. And, and you can look perfectly at different... all within the rules. You can cut the books in the NFL. 100%. And you can look at other parts of the contract that they have for Derek Carr in his third year. There's a $10 million roster bonus that will eventually be converted to a signing bonus so that they could spread that yeah. out over, over those years. And they'll do that because that they can, can add void years if they have to. Point. 
Yeah. And then they could even extend him and actual add actual money later on down the road if right. they want to. If He's they're got really like fifty happy million dollars of a base salary that's completely non guaranteed in the fourth year of, of his deal. Yeah. So there's so many different ways they could go about this. So, you know, the Saints are doing what they've what they needed to do. They wanted Derek Carr very, very badly. They got that done and they did it in such a way that it's not of detriment to them to continue to build the team around him this- so that they can be competitive. This just could not have worked out better for the Saints. That was my first thought. It was like, wow, the Saints were going to have to give up like a, probably a first-round pick and change for this mm-hmm. and then take on whatever contract he had with Vegas and then probably work with that. And it felt like such a big, giant, like they'd have to move mountains to make this happen. And instead, Derek Carr says, I'm not taking any trades. You have to release me. Vegas takes it on most of the pain yep. on the chin. And now the Saints can just go sign him to whatever deal they want which is worked out to be very, very flexible for the future and basically leave all options open for like all years. You, you, you have to have them for two years and then pretty much all options are open. Yep. And if after one year you want, you want to get rid of Derek Carr, your problem with that situation is not going to be that there was a contract involved. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. And I'll say real quick, just for the sickos out there, because of the fact <laughs> that, that, that Vegas cut Derek Carr and did not let his contract expire... The Saints signing Derek Carr does not factor into the compensatory pick formula for next year as it's well. Incredibly so, funny. Yeah. So like it works this out is really, really such well a nightmare for Vegas. <laughs> it's all bad. It's all bad. They, yeah, and Vegas doesn't you know get what? any compensatory picks for it either. So if if Vegas like picks up, I don't know, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or something in the draft and that guy works out, they're not gonna care about any of that. Nope. nope. Um but he's in the AFC now, Derek Carr. Uh with different kind of black jersey to go with that guy liner. So we got to talk about where he ranks now. Where do the Saints, like, where does this put the Saints in the the rankings of the NFC, which are always so crazy and they fluctuate so much, but but where do the Saints exist there now? That's, I think, the next thing we have to talk about. And then, of course, we're going to talk about some of the franchise tag news. Speaking of Vegas, some stuff going on in Jacksonville as well. That's right. Yeah. Like they didn't just want to lose players. They wanted to keep a player uh, as well. Uh, <laughs> I just love that. Like Vegas just like randomly did that on the same day. Anyway, we'll get to that here in just a second. I'll, Weird I'll, day I'll, for Raiders I'll air fans. my grievances. Weird day for I'll, Raiders fans. I'll air my grievances. Today's episode of Locked on NFL brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in all of America. We appreciate FanDuel, of course, for being our exclusive sportsbook here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And hey, if you haven't used FanDuel before, it's even better for you right now because FanDuel is going to give you a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets that you get back if your first bet doesn't win, which means that there's no losing when it comes to your first bet over at FanDuel. All you need to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. It's safe, secure, super easy to use, and then you can start betting on everything from the money line to point scores in the NBA, threes drain. Maybe you want to get into some futures on the NFL as well. The Saints coming up in terms of their NFC South division chances, thanks to this signing of Derek Carr. Plus, with FanDuel, with those uh, in-game things, you can always, those in-game bets, you can always lump all of them together for a chance at a bigger payout with their same-game parlays. So don't miss your chance at your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Uh, so Ross, got, <laughs> we are recording this, uh, late Monday afternoon or evening, depending on your time zone. And as we are recording this, Tom Pelissero has reported 
that the Seahawks and Pro Bowl quarterback Geno Smith are finalizing a new multi-year yes. contract. Yes. I do not know anything about the terms of this contract yet. This is literally just breaking That's as okay. we are recording. But Ross, yeah. live reaction. Geno Smith, Seahawks QB. They picked fifth and mm-hmm. they just extended their QB. That probably takes them out of the market of the Strouds and Youngs and Richardsons and Levises. So I don't know. What's your first thought here? My first thing that I think here is good for Geno Smith, first of all. Good choice by the Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith was one of my top quarterbacks in the conference last year. I think he was one of everyone's top quarterbacks in the conference last year. And now all I can think of is because of the whole feeding frenzy that's going to happen at the top of the draft this year, Luke, for quarterbacks. If Seattle stands pat at five, they could walk away from the draft with Geno Smith as their starting quarterback and Will Anderson rushing the passer of opposing quarterbacks. I love that. I love or that Jalen for Carter Seattle. if he doesn't go well. Or Jalen, yeah, well, we'll I, I think three quarterbacks goes. go but in the first four picks. Agreed. Well, yeah, I don't know what that that whole deal is, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, three years, one hundred and five million is the report. Ooh, good for him, uh, man! What a story I after know. being like that 2013 QB draft class, like EJ Manuel mm. in it, like Nick Foles was the <laughs> best QB out of it for Manuel. many years. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and Geno Smith, like getting punched in the face and all, he was like a laughing stock. Right. He was he was a punchline. Yeah. And what a renaissance coming out! Like, is such a cool story. I want the thirty for thirty. Yeah. Now that he's like secured that bag, after all this time, God, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's huge for Seattle. That's huge for Geno Smith. I think the other thing that I like about this too is that like it's a sizable contract. It's a good contract for them. It's very likely to be structured in such a way that Seattle could still get out from under it within the first one or two years. We know how three-year contracts are in the NFL, but it's just awesome. And I, it brings me back to the um, the combine just a few just just last week, where Pete Carroll told everybody basically, yeah, I think that the NFL moves on from quarterbacks too quickly, and that they give up on guys too quickly and that he used Geno Smith as a part of that example. And now here he is making good yeah. on his word by keeping Geno Smith around. And I know Corbin Smith who hosts locked on C- uh, locked on Seahawks is ecstatic with this move. I know he very much wanted this move to happen as well. Felt like it was going to happen potentially sometime this week. And look, it happens here uh, on Monday going into Tuesday. And I, I just, I love this a ton for Seattle, especially in a division right now where, the Cardinals are kind of in shambles. We'll see exactly what they do. They hire the defensive head coach in Jonathan Gannon. No one's really sure about, you know, Kyler Murray and if he's going to be ready for the beginning of the year. The Los Angeles Rams are looking to fire sale and, and, and get rid of people and everything. And then you have the San Francisco 49ers that you're looking to compete with. So why not grab the guy that helped you compete in that division last year and lock him down for 2023 and potentially beyond? We're talking about a three-year deal here. This is awesome. This is a great, 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 great move for Geno Smith and for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and a three-year commitment is not something that that freaks your franchise out. If, if nope. it turns out that he was just a one-year wonder or whatever, it it's, doesn't kill you too much. And we'll see how the structure comes out as well, too, because that flexibility has a lot yeah. more to do with structure and a lot less to do with like the raw length of the deal. But what we were going to do <laughs> was rank the, our top five NFC quarterbacks, and that just feels like it's a little more relevant than a it was before. So let's just stick to that. <laughs> um, I'll give you mine. I'm going to run through it quick. I think we probably both have Jalen Hurts number one. Correct. And then it's just a whole bunch of Kirks. <laughs> just a bunch of different it's different versions of Kirk Cousins. Real Kirk. Now we have Guyliner Kirk. <laughs> that's Derek Carr. Black Kirk. That's 
Dak Prescott. Is that, is that Dak Prescott? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we have Kirk with a ring. That's Matt Stafford. <laughs> I love it. Okay. My... In some order, I think, right? Because yeah. Tom Brady is retired. Aaron Rodgers, I, I think, let's just assume he's not part of the NFC and just keep him out of it for now. Yep. Although with his age, I don't even know if we, we can what we can expect from right. him. He very clearly took a step back, I thought, in 2022. And now it's like, what does he have left in the tank is like a really big question mark. Mm-hmm. And the reporting right now is that the Packers are like looking at like into moving on anyways. So yeah. maybe they just dump them off to the jets or whatever. And then that's that. So where do you have the various Kirks? <laughs> <laughs> so I've got Jalen hurts at the top, as you mentioned, then I go with Dak Prescott. I've got him there. I agree. Then I have Derek Carr, Guyliner Kirk above real Kirk and Kirk cousins. And then Geno Smith at five. I don't have a lot of faith in Matthew Stafford and I'm not too sure really? he doesn't retire okay. this off season. If I'm being honest, because last year okay. was, a... well, yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then he's off the list entirely. Right. Right. And like, so I look at Matthew Stafford as somebody that, you know, had a lot of trouble getting the ball downfield, had a lot of trouble throwing last year. He had the shoulder injury, all these other things. I can't put him in my top five right now. So that's the way that I look at it is, is, um, you know, with the various Kirks, of course, all kind of blending together there, but I've got Geno Smith at number five. So we actually have pretty similar rankings then Mm because I, I have Jalen hurts second. I have Dak. Um, and then the only difference is I have my Kirk above your Kirk. Ah, and then, uh, I actually had, well, no, I think I'll have, I'll have Geno over Stafford because you're right. He, he is, the age thing is if I if I'm going to say that about Rodgers, I have to say that about oh, fair. Stafford as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's really... the thing: yeah, I I think as much of a bozo gene as Kirk Cousins can have sometimes, lining up under the right guard once that kind of thing. <laughs> I feel right. like Derek Carr has more of a bozo. Like the the boneheaded interception thing is mm-hmm. just a little worse than him than than Kirk's boneheaded interception thing. Sure. Um, but the they like both like they're in hilariously similar. They are very, very similar. The, the thing that I think sets Derek Carr apart for me, and it's going to be so interesting to look at the end of this year, like me as the Saints guy, you as the Vikings guy, like where are these two guys actually finish. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that I, I, I have that sets Derek Carr above for me is that he's like top four, top five amongst active quarterbacks when it comes to fourth quarter comebacks. Uh, game-winning drives, things like that. So I like him in an end-game situation far more than I like Kirk Cousins in an end-game situation. Do you know who led the league in fourth-quarter comebacks this year? Okay, but that's one year, Luke. I'm talking about collectively. The new coach who talked about quieting his mind? I I think part of this is that O'Connell's impact on Kirk Cousins was most felt in that end-game situation. That's fair. in, In those comeback situations and stuff in in fourth quarters. And throughout his whole career... Cousins has been one of the best fourth quarter quarterbacks in in the league. It's just that we didn't notice because a lot of times that was garbage time because he had defenses that would give up 40 or whatever. Yeah. But him in those situations, you know, the primetime thing, he gets a, a reputation for being unclutch. Um, but over the last like two, three years when the Vikings have basically been in one score games always like 20, mm-hmm. since 2020, I think they've been like 70 percent one score game. It's been insane. Uh, I'm exhausted, (laughs) (laughs) but cousins has come through in that situation more often than not. And if the Vikings lose, it's because they didn't get the stop on the other way around or, or, or whatever. Sure. Um, But then, you know, you get into the playoffs, he throws three yards on fourth and eight and kind of confirms what everybody's thought about him for 
eight years. Yeah. yeah. And if I'm going to give Kirk Cousins a little bit of a pass because fourth quarter and late game in game situations, Kevin O'Connell helped him there. Like his most recent coach helped him here. Then I'm going to give Derek Carr a little bit of a pass on those interceptions, especially over the course of the past two years when John Gruden gets fired mid season for emails. Uh, he's dealing with an interim head coach. And then last year he had Josh McDaniels, who we just know doesn't work in the NFL as a head coach and as a, as a play caller without somebody to override him like a, a Bill Belichick. So I would give Derek Carr a pass in the same similar critique, but I can't wait to see where these two end at the end of the year. So we can reprise this conversation, but the discourse is great. Yeah. The discourse is great for now about which one is going to be. So I'm excited to hear other people's opinions. on Yeah. Like I have to look so much on the margins because these two guys are so similar. Like when I say Guyline or Kirk, mm-hmm. like that's half a joke, but like they have a lot of the they same traits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. Is For both one of them bad at that. Is one yeah. Is one of them Guyline or Kirk by the end of this year, or is one of them Derek Carr without the Guyliner? Evangelical evangelical Derek Carr. Oh no. <laughs> so that's I mean, where... that's not that's not like a secret. That's no very not at proudly. All. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where we find at the end of this year, not which one is better than the other or anything like that. It's which one of them is the other version of the other. Yeah, what, which one the gets thing. the mantle. And then... <laughs> <laughs> we have so much more other news to talk about that huh? we have to go over. We've got two running back franchise tags, a tight end franchise tag, yeah, crazy stuff going on in Jacksonville. Oh, yes, let's yeah. make sure we do not forget to get into all of the other stuff. Let's not get too quarterback focused here on the Locked On NFL podcast. So let's move on to uh, the, let's start with the running back franchise tag. Yeah. It's been applied to two running backs, Josh Jacobs in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Very weird day for Raiders fans. Very weird day for Raiders fans. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, this, the, the running back franchise tag, 10, $10.09 million. Okay. So you're talking mm-hmm. about double digits here for double digit million dollars for a running back. Which is honestly like not too Not crazy. terrible. Um, not terrible. It's like 5% of the cap, which mm-hmm. is about what running backs have made for the last five, six years. Yep. Uh, and then Tony Pollard in yes. Dallas, not easy they were trying it. to get an extension done with him for a while, but they couldn't come to a deal. Mm-hmm. So they've now franchise tagged him. And that's got to mean that they're cutting Zeke, right? Like that's got to, they've got, it's it- got to. If you if you ask Marcus Mosher from over at Locked On Cowboys, he was saying today that he wouldn't mind the Cowboys keeping Ezekiel Elliott in addition. So what are they going to do? Marcus pay, said that. Yes, Mister like the running back doesn't matter. Like guy. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy all... that tweeted out and said, "Hey, no, no leading rusher has made more than two million dollars in the Super Bowl, or no leading rusher in the Super Bowl has made more than yeah, two million dollar base salary." That. That's like been his thing for like four years, and he said that. And is now he he's okay? advocating. Is that a cry for help? <laughs> Marcus, wear yellow in your next Locked on Cowboys podcast <laughs> episode if you need help. <laughs> wear yellow and talk about how the duo of Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard are worth almost $30 million in 2023. That's my thing, like $26.9 million between the two or something like that in this case. But, uh, but I agree with you, Luke. I think the Cowboys either have to redo their deal, or basically go to Ezekiel Elliott and say, take a price cut and you can stay, or you're moving on. From Ezekiel Elliott, which honestly, this is long overdue that this Dallas Cowboys offense runs through Tony Pollard and not through Ezekiel Elliott. This should have been happening a while back. 
Oh yeah, I've been saying that for like three years, mm-hmm. just in in like a snap count sense. Yeah, just because of the the way that modern offenses have to work, the yep. style of Tony Pollard is just better for that. Yep, hundred um, percent. But now that Tony Pollard, the the other part is you can save so much money. But now Tony mm-hmm. Pollard doesn't represent that anymore. So I think that um, is a mitigated factor. Yeah. Now they you could also still... have Josh Jacobs. Oh. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Just with Tony Pollard, you could still work out a long-term deal, right? This could be a buying time measure right. more than it is. Work it out in May contract. and then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But it, it, it gets you there. Um, I got to think, I, I don't buy it. I think they're cut. I think Zeke becomes a free agent. Um, this running back market is fascinating too, because there's also the giants working on Saquon Barkley and, yep. and he might get tagged. Yep. Um, and the other two guys getting tagged probably has an impact on those negotiations as mm-hmm. well. Um, but we also have, so Vegas, no yep. quarterback, Derek Carr goes and signs with the saints. Vegas doesn't get anything with that, but today's news doesn't change that factor. That was always the case. Yeah. So not really Raiders news, but Josh Jacobs is Raiders news. Um, like here's the deal with both of these for both Dallas and the, I'm making fun of Dallas a little bit, but I, I think that's good value for these players. I do too. I, I think 10.9 is not that bad for running backs that offer what those guys offer. Um, and I know that we don't want to pay running backs a dime or anything like that, but like, that's not too much. That's not no. that much money. No. And I wouldn't be surprised. So while I'm saying Tony Pollard might tag Tony Pollard's tag, excuse me, might be a, uh, a buying time measure. I wonder if Josh Jacobs plays on his franchise tag oh, I bet in, he could. 20, in and, 2023. Because that would be a wise and, decision by the Raiders who saw a really good 2022 from him, but want to see if he can do it again. And I think he can. Mm-hmm. And then and then it becomes, you know, then the Raiders are in really bad negotiating leverage and maybe they yep. just let him walk and Josh Jacobs gets his bag elsewhere. But I think this is good news for Josh Jacobs on the whole. Provided, like, the only thing that can hamper him is an injury, which is the yep. entire argument against the existence of the franchise tag in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um but I think the running back market as it is, like the top end of it has deflated so much. There's no more exactly. Adrian Peterson, $18 million stuff. It has running backs make, despite the cap going up by about 60%, running backs make less now than they did in 2015. It That's has insane. deflated that much. So when we talk about running back value and you shouldn't pay a running back and all that stuff, I think we need to recalibrate where we're at as like a, a, a football watching community because they aren't getting paid now. Yeah. They, they yeah. are getting less money. And what represents a good running back value, I think has changed, but another market completely turned topsy turvy with Evan, Evan Ingram getting the franchise tag from Jacksonville. The tight end market is bizarre. There are yeah. two good tight ends in the league, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And the rest of them are like TJ Hawkinson's. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's I love Hawkinson. Uh, yeah, much I'm, like I'm we have, excited. much like we have a tier of different types of Kirk Cousins, there is also a tier of tight ends that are just different types of TJ Hawkinsons. Yeah, a whole bunch of <laughs> Dallas Goddards. Yeah, um, <laughs> but like, like there's like those two guys, and then there's just kind of a bunch of you know solid starters. Yeah, and now that that Engram's on the franchise tag, what happens? The economics of this get all screwed up because Travis Kelsey and George Kittle they are worth premier pass catcher money because they are premier pass catchers. Mm -hmm. But because they are listed as tight end, they are, that is now impacting the franchise tag. So Evan Ingram is getting money. That's influenced by the money that Kelsey and Kittle get. Yep. 
And, and that means if you're trying to extend a tight end, like my Vikings are trying, uh-huh. they're trying to extend TJ Hawkinson right now. They're working on, on that. That changes the negotiation because you go, okay, well, you could franchise tag me and then you could franchise tag me again. And if you don't give me the deal I want, I'm just going to force you to do that. Yep. And the deal I want is going to be bigger than that. For, for me to say yes to a deal, it has to be better for me than that. Yep. Um, and that's going to make the tight end market absolutely bizarre. Yeah. With a whole bunch of tight ends getting paid probably more than they actually will be able to like pr- outproduce just because that top end of the tight end market pulls the franchise tag out into outer space. Yeah, and it helps because you've got, or the other thing that impacts this, and this is where the Raiders play into this again, you have Travis Kelsey, you've got George Kittle who are making money as premier pass catchers, but then you also have this outlier $17 million average annual value contract that still exists for Darren Waller. So that's pushing that bottom line up even further. And then you start to get to your other guys, the Dallas Goddard's, the Mark Andrews, the Derek, uh, sorry, excuse me, the David and Joku's who are at that, you know, 14, $13 million range. The um, franchise tag range for Evan Ingram as a tight end, $11.34 million, $11.35 million, somewhere around there. And so I think this could be another one. Luke to where we're talking about buying time, buying time to work on a long, to work on a longer term deal, buying time to work on a more cost effective deal because of where that, that tight end contract is. But you're right. They could be looking to buy that time, but Evan Ingram might say, Oh no, no, no. I'm playing on this tag. If you want me again next year, you got to tag me again. And then you have to make your decisions from there, from that point forward. That, that tag value. If you look at a lot of contract structures, you can kind of tell that they were working around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also in Jacksonville. So they're dealing with that, right? They've got, yep. they've got to figure that out. In comes Calvin Ridley. He's been reinstated. Here he goes. Uh, if you remember, he had to take a year off, almost a year to exactly a year to the day. Almost. Uh, one, one day short of a year to the day of Calvin Ridley's suspension for uh, betting on his own team. He gets suspended. He gets traded. He loses a year of his, of his prime. He loses any momentum he had with his current franchise. Now it's a fresh start. Uh, and he is back for Jacksonville. So, so Trevor Lawrence is throwing to Evan Ingram. He's mm-hmm. throwing to Calvin Ridley now. This Jacksonville team, are they now the runaway favorite to win the AFC South? Yes, right? Yeah, I think they have to be. I think they have to be. I mean, we've got Tennessee talking about... Right, we've got Tennessee they're, yeah, they're talking about trading off Derek, uh, Derek Henry and everything. I mean, that was yeah. the one thing that sort of made that offense special. You look at, you know, Houston, they still have to lay all of their, their different about building about five years away from being an organization again, and the Colts yeah. are, who knows what's up with that. With them. Like, we'll see where that ends up. But yeah, I think it does. And I think you look at the fact that Jacksonville won the division last year. They were a playoff team last year. And one of the things that they missed was a reliable, like their most reliable wide receiver weapon, a dynamic wide receiver. And now they have him in Calvin Ridley. And they keep Evan Ingram, who did have a little bit of a resurgence in Jacksonville. I mean, based upon what we saw in his New York days, for sure. And so now all of a sudden, Trevor Lawrence, on that rookie contract, you're able to franchise tag a Evan Ingram for $11 million. You're able to take on a contract for Calvin Ridley for $11.1 million. So it'll be interesting to see if they extend him. And so now here you go. They're doing what they need to do to be able to build around the success that they already started to have in 2022 with their new head coach, Doug Peterson, getting a second year with his quarterback and Trevor Lawrence, and they're loading up on the weapons. Yeah. Yeah. They're the favorites yeah. in the and, AFC and, South. And Doug Peterson has done a lot to repair what Urban Meyer broke in that culture. And, and he, he broke some a credit lot. For that. He broke yeah. a lot and in that. Oof. Calvin Ridley, 28 years old. 
This is not like an inflated, you know, old guy kind of. No, this is a dude in his prime that just pops right onto the field and suddenly you have that much more of a weapon for your golden boy chosen one quarterback to throw to. So Um, really exciting times in Jackson. I think this is the most exciting the Jaguars have been for a long time. Yeah, since that one good season of Bortletron. Outside and and that. even that, you kind of understood, like, all right, they're not going to be able to keep this together. This yeah. is kind of <laughs> just a weird surge, and this is their chance. This is actually like a bright, sustainable future. And yeah. I can't remember the last time you could say that about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. I'm very happy for Jags fans. They've been through enough. They deserve this. Yeah, yeah. Tony Wiggins celebrating, celebrating. I know it. And in Absolutely. fact, you'll know about what Tony Wiggins has to say about everything those Jacksonville Jaguars have done, including Calvin Ridley's reinstatement and, of course, the Evan Ingram franchise tag, because he and James Rapine of Locked on Bengals are hosting tomorrow's episode of Locked on NFL. So make sure you come through to get all of the insight on that. We're also continuing to keep an eye out. Tuesday, today, is the deadline on the franchise tag. What do the Baltimore Ravens do with Lamar Jackson? They'll have that covered for you tomorrow as well. So we got a bunch. Uh, I love the NFL calendar, man, because it just never goes to sleep. So we always have a lot of fun here. Nope. On the Locked On NFL podcast. Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL on Twitter. Myself, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola. We'll talk to you there. We'll see you again here on Tuesday. Make sure you go and check out Locked On NFL Draft as well. Damian Parson, Keith Sanchez giving you everything you need to know about the biggest draft prospects as well as those that are those sleepers and hidden gems that can change your franchise for the better. You can find them wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, much like us here on Locked On NFL. See you tomorrow. See you next week here on the Locked Up Podcast Network, your team every day.